0: Okay, say you are a teacher. Say you are a personal support worker in a long-term care home. Let's say you work in an emergency room in a hospital. And you don't want to get vaccinated because you say, well, listen, I have personal rights and personal freedoms. What would Arnold Schwarzenegger tell you? Screw your freedom. That's what he might say. But the reality is, in this country... There are constitutional protections for your freedoms. So if, as the Prime Minister has mused, there are mandatory vaccinations for some federal workers, how possibly do we actually make that work in a legal and constitutional framework? Do we, for example, invoke Section 33 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms Better known as the Notwithstanding Clause. Gerard Kennedy is an assistant professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Manitoba. He teaches and researches in the areas of procedural law, administrative law, and constitutional law. Welcome to the program.
1: Pleasure to be with you, Alan.
0: Tell me, uh, why should, and I'm assuming you're talking about a federal level, uh, the government consider invoking the Notwithstanding Clause in this case?
1: Well, I mean, it could be done at the federal or the provincial level, depending on precisely what workers and industries are being regulated. It would actually usually be on the provincial level. But why should it consider it? Because the legality of a vaccination mandate will probably be very fact-specific. There are certain circumstances, such as a long-term care home or uh, in an elementary school, where I suspect that any interest that an individual would have in their liberty or security the person not to take a vaccine could be held to be a reasonable limit on that right under Section 1 of the Charter, which would make the use of the notwithstanding clause unnecessary. But there are a lot of actors like university presidents who are in situations where the zone is more grey who may be reluctant to act. And if a government were to invoke the notwithstanding clause, those actors could mandate vaccines in certain circumstances without any risk of it being held to be illegal at the end of the day.
0: Um, You argue in a piece that you wrote on the uh, hub.ca that legal ambiguity um, translates into inaction. Could you expand on that?
1: Sure. For a lot of actors, the risk of getting sued and being thrown into a lengthy court proceeding can be a much of a bad outcome as being in the lengthy court proceeding and losing. The stress, the cost, the delay that that involves is something that a lot of businesses and other institutions simply don't want to do. And so sometimes you'll find an actor who rather than avoid a risk of being sued by taking an action that they think is a good action will simply not take the action.
0: When I think when a, when a lot of people hear, notwithstanding clause, the, they think of it as kind of a sledgehammer. At least I I think of it as is a very, it's a big big lever to be used, and it would, it would be in many areas politically unpalatable, would it not?
1: Uh, no question, um, it is a very controversial provision. <gasps> of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And the amount of times it's been invoked successfully in Canada outside Quebec, you can count on one hand. And the amount of time it's even been used about being invoked uh, in Quebec can be counted on one more hand. So it is politically unpalatable, but we are in a unique circumstance right now. And if this is what is necessary to enable action I would posit it's something that we should at least consider.
0: And then how, because as you point out, many of these, I use the term industries or sectors, are provincial in terms of jurisdiction. It is possible that you would get a patchwork of the use of the clause across the country. How would you perceive that?
1: Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate, but to some extent, that is just the cost of being in a federation. We already have a patchwork approach to the use of vaccine passports as is. Manitoba has an immunization card that you have to show to get into certain situations, and um, Quebec is going to have one soon, uh, and most of the provinces do not. So we already are in a bit of a patchwork.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how do you perceive the announcement of a federal uh, passport that as the Fed said yesterday, would then be able to be used uh, at a provincial basis. I mean, what's the legality uh, of that?
1: Well, I mean, it certainly is something that the feds could definitely ensure be used in anything that they are regulating. And I don't think there's any problem with the province Saying it can be used in, for instance, Ontario, rather than issue our own immunization record. Uh, but if the province were to do that, then it renders itself vulnerable of um, being attacked in court.
0: I'm mm-hmm. speaking with Gerard Kennedy, who is a uh, assistant professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Manitoba. Um, you you quote. Um, a, a previous ruling in your um, argument uh, that you wrote for the hub.ca, and I wonder if you could just quickly expand on it for me. And that's AC versus Manitoba. What's the precedent there, and how is that applied uh, to our current situation?
1: Well, the precedent in that case concerned a young woman in Manitoba who was a Jehovah's Witness who did not want to receive a blood transfusion. Because she was a minor, it was imposed upon her against her will. Uh, a majority of the court held that this is permissible, but only because the person at instance uh, was a minor. And in a very pithy dissent, Justice Ian Binney noted that forced medical procedures have got to be an egregious violation of a person's physical and psychological integrity against their will, especially when it's based on a strong religious belief. I think for many people who just view vaccination as just an obvious thing to do, um, don't always understand that for some people, for whatever reason, it is just seen as an egregious personal violation. And it's something that the courts have, in the context of forced medical treatment generally, um, considered very seriously.
0: And, And that's why you would say that the notwithstanding clause would have to be invoked.
1: Well, I don't know if it would have to. In certain situations, it probably wouldn't, but it would at least settle the legality, which, as I say, the uncertainty can itself cause an action.
0: It is fascinating. Gerard, I really appreciate you coming on and helping us understand the, the nuances of this a little better. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. This is Gerard Kennedy, who is an assistant professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Manitoba.